everybody, and welcome to Starship Podcast Warlock. As always, I am Drew. And as always, I am Jeff. And this is a sad occasion, everybody. This is the very last Young Ones episode that was ever made. So sad. Until, that is, <laughs> they pick up our sequel idea, which we will be talking about. Uh, and we'll be reviewing that at the very end of this episode. Um, it is... I actually, I mean, full disclosure, uh, I don't remember it super clearly because we came up with this like 20 years ago or whatever it was. But uh, once we start talking about this, I'm pretty sure it'll come back to me. But we have not conspired ahead of time to recall this. So you'll you'll see it return to our memories in full flower yes. in a spontaneous way. We have not commiserated. I have never seen or talked to this man before. <laughs> uh, nothing up my sleeve. So uh, that's one thing we're going to get in this uh, in this episode. We will also be, um, in addition to, of course, talking about Summer Holiday, which is the 12th and final episode of The Young Ones. We will be uh, discussing the musical numbers that have happened throughout the show. And we'll be ranking those in order of, of preference. Um or whatever ranking strategy you've come up with, Jeff. I mean, it might not be preference. Who am I to say? I ranked it by shoe size. <laughs> Good. Uh, and then uh, we will be ranking the episodes themselves. And I know, for at least for me, my ranking has changed around a little bit from when we first did it, which was after episode six, Flood. So uh, it's, it's not just going to be that one with this season shuffled in. Uh, you probably have your own ranking. You're like, Drew, I don't care what yours is. Uh, Jeff, I do care what yours is, is what you're probably saying to yourself, listener. Uh, but yeah, you're going to hear them both, so deal with it. Listener, that's singular. We, we, <laughs> we've, got, we've gotten to double digits on this, I should point out. I, okay, lis- listeners, there there are at least two of you out there. Um, let, let me quote uh, Arrested Development. There are dozens, dozen, well, maybe maybe a dozen. But. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, probably a dozen. So uh, hi, all 12 of you. Here's what we're going to do. I mean, I've, I know I've been babbling for a few minutes here, but we're actually going to watch the episode first this time around uh, because we have so much to talk about at the end of it. Uh, and it just wouldn't be right to do it before we watch the episode. So... The first thing you need to do this time, you just don't have any time to wait. You you have to get your copy of The Young Ones ready to go. And we will sync it up in just a moment and start watching. Uh, Jeff, are you ready to do that? Yes, I've got mine. All right. I've got mine. So, uh, audience, here we go. Audience, here we go. Have you got yours? <laughs> I'll count down as usual. Three, two, one, play. And uh, here we go. So three, two, one, play. This is so sad. It's the last time we'll be watching these credits Well, while we do this podcast. While we have the podcast, yes. I was going to say, otherwise, we'll always have the discs. <laughs> Keep circulating Maybe. the discs. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? There's Tony. Bye, Tony. We hardly knew ye. Also the title of the Cliff Richard song. My God, Vivian's a Gumby. 
I love their relationship. What is with his shorts? The first time we've seen him in shorts. It's true. Well, which is somehow more remarkable than him putting his head through the window. You know, I mean, it was snowing uh, half a season ago. True. Ah, uh, the yellow overalls are back too. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mike. Oh, he's so clever. I had such a sheltered life by comparison. <laughs> Rick is happy in this, which is really remarkable. trying to picture memorizing that oh god what is a gonk is it one of those troll dolls i don't know i think of that as the little death star droid but that's a different story oh yeah You guessed it.
<laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> oh my god. They're going to get sued. It's a good thing we talked about the Hulk a while back, so people actually know what this is referring to. Slow motion is the way to demonstrate incredible strength. <laughs> Ew, this thing. And we've seen him before. <laughs> Yep. Wow, Wolverine let himself go. Yeah. Is this a parody of another show? Or a sketch? Well, it's certainly not The Good Life. It's a line we certainly haven't quoted enough. It's true. I love that whole exchange. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, God, that still looks like it hurts. <laughs> this is all the stuff that was left over from boring. <laughs> it might be. Five episodes, maybe. Mm -hmm. Walked right into that one.
<laughs> Have we only seen their backyard twice? Is it last episode, Apart right? Apart from that weird thing in Flood, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, in Sick. <laughs> we should do a spinoff about a 12th century druid and political activist. I wish I could get that reference. <laughs> I assume he's like a nature documentary or maybe a, a vet. Maybe he's in All Creatures Great and Small. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> oh, this is one of my favorite bits in the whole thing. It's so ridiculous. Oh, it's not yet, though. <laughs> One more fire gag. <laughs> I get that. They make reference to that in Hitchhikers. Mm. What the audience reaction? Maybe. <laughs> That's very David Tennant ish. <laughs> I love Neil's delivery of all this stuff in this episode. <laughs> mm. 
look at it, it's very Pythonic. And a little bit of Looney Tunes. <laughs> oh, I adore this. Whenever I hear that song, I think of that. <laughs> I could do without that bit. At least it's short. <laughs> That's so bizarre. <laughs> I do like the fact that Neil basically told them, you're having the damn party. Yeah. <laughs> it's very assertive of him. It is. Another Ben Elton appearance. <laughs> it's all facial expressions for both of them this is so junior high school all of this I've never gotten around to listening to any Hawkwind or Marillion. You know, Dukes of Hazard went through cars. They go through TVs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I hope that was only one take.
forgot about this. Well, except for this thing. I was going to say, we've met both your parents. <laughs> Maybe they died after the last episode. <laughs> oh, nice and efficient. <laughs> oh, I forgot my 3D glasses. there's the budget <laughs> is this only the second time we've seen Jertsy Belowski maybe oh god Rick Don't tell him about the lion tamer in the uh, <laughs> upstairs. All right. <laughs> Ruined the illusion. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. Hey, look, it's the axons.
<laughs> I wonder who moved in after this. Right? Here it is, the musical number. <laughs> Vivian's trying to do it. I never caught that before. In another universe, it's Alexei Sale performing this. <laughs> this is an actual pop singer, apparently. Relax, make stupid noises. <laughs> oh my god. Why? Yeah, but on the other hand, I like your outfit better. <laughs> That's kind of a nice coat. Why isn't it done French? <laughs> Good question. This reminds me of a story. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. Mm -hmm. I still don't know why he's dressed like this, but... 
<laughs> oh, he likes bottoms. <laughs> oh, it's not enough, Lenny, Lenny Henry. Tony O'Hara. <laughs> Gone with the break wind. <laughs> the fascist pig bank. Darling fascist bully boy. <laughs> well, they only do two the jobs. <laughs> That's how you know that this is an Amer uh, not an American sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> he probably is. Mr. Real Robber. Oh. She's here again. I remember yeah. I remember her being in multiple episodes. Neither did I. Oh. And him too. <laughs> yep. And him too.
Helen Letter. Oh, there so we go. Weird. I was trying to think of her name. Yeah. <laughs> I like their berets. It's funny. I wrote a comic with a friend of mine where um, somebody interrupts a robbery in progress with a robbery. <laughs> I don't know if I wrote that before this episode aired or not, but certainly before I saw hmm. it. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Poor Vivian. And they drove all of two feet. That's what happens when you can't use long I mean, shots. he should probably turn the wheel, yeah. I remember it going to black and white. This is weird. Hey, look, it's the night bus. Uh... Okay, now we're back in color, but on film. And thus was bad news born. <laughs> Tuneless wailing. Oh my god. Basing Stoke, then make it so. <laughs> I love Neil. <laughs> it's like the end of Queer as Folk. 
so good. Sorry, that's where the budget went for this episode. Uh, yeah, really. Hey, look, it's a quarry. Where's the doctor? <laughs> oh, good grief. Well, that's it, everyone. They're, they're dead. They're burning to death in that bus right now. Unless they survived for the sequel. They were saved at the last moment. I mean, their whole house blew up in, at the end of Demolition, so exactly. somehow they survived that. Do you know that Andy quested? I didn't know that until now. Hmm. That's my favorite well, song on all of the young ones. <laughs> is no. It? <laughs> no. Well, that's it, everyone. That was the end of Summer Holiday. I bet you didn't expect it to end with uh, their fiery deaths. Although, again, well, I did, but wait until we I've talk about the sequel. <laughs> well spotted. Well spotted, mm, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, let's, talk about, <laughs> let's talk about this episode. Uh, what did you think of this one? Um,. The plot was certainly much more threadbare than uh, than the other ones, I think, for the most part. Because, I mean, it's, it's like I said, part of it is boring part two. It's literally, it's just, mm -hmm. okay, they're bored, beat the crap out of each other. It's all, it's all marking time until they get to, okay, they're thrown out of the house and then, um, and then the, the robbery and, and the over the cliff stuff. So, um, you know, I, I enjoyed it, but it feels like all their little leftover gags that they hadn't figured out where to put elsewhere in the series got thrown mm. into this one mm -hmm. and then okay good it's uh, it's over with and to be honest uh that's not a problem because there were some you know pretty good gags in there i remember at one point you said oh this is a line that we should uh that we should quote more often and, and you're absolutely <laughs> even right. mindless violence seems boring, boring today so, yeah exactly um th there's th it's funny none of these oh when we pulled this up, I'm like, you know, I don't remember much about this episode, except obviously for the ending. And to some extent, I can understand that. But, like, it's it's funny. Because I didn't remember these, it's interesting how many little bits still felt nice and, and fresh as a result of it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I feel like I, I expect this is going to end up somewhere in the middle of the list. Although, like, the, the last, from when they get kicked out, well, actually, when from when the landlord comes in, from when Jertsey comes in to the end, to me is, um, is just plain, uh, enjoyable all the way through. Um, so mm, the, the latter, the latter half of the episode, I, I think, um, is enjoyable from a, uh, a plot perspective. The first half is, it's okay, but it's, it's random gags. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that watching this again has like done for me is I've noticed how much of it, uh, feels like it is bits that they could have slotted in just about anywhere. I mean, like the Neil's birthday thing has only the most tenuous connection to anything else that happens in that episode. Um, the whole sitting out in the garden playing mm -hmm. games is barely connected. So like, I, I guess I remembered them as being a little more, um, 
unified where you couldn't like take a bit out of one episode and put it together. Mm-hmm. But this watching them back to back has really revealed that that's not the case at all. Also, everybody is dialed up to eleven in this one. I mean, you know, okay, Rick. They are. Rick deals with his uh, with his parents dying, but also all the stuff outside when he's wearing the um, that that horrible uh, yellow. I mean, I think that's pretty much typifies <laughs> the everything is loud. Them whatever that that just you know when they're going through the Botticelli game, for example, and just he is mm-hmm. utterly utterly frantic and throughout the entire thing. Um, you know, Vivian is about the most Vivian that I think we've ever seen him uh, on this one. True. And and Neil, like I said, the fact that Neil is assertive, which is actually very anti-Neil in that case, but um, still obviously in a very Neil way, uh, all the way to the end. Like, I just love when Rick is going through his um, his revolution speech at the end. And Neil, and we've seen him do it before. There's just the way he holds his hands when he's trying to get excited and and. And getting into it, and it's just <laughs> that's still like dialed a million times more. And hell, I mean, you even have uh, Mike do the Scarlett O'Hara speech at that point. I mean, you know, Mike is a little bit more laconic than uh, than the other groups uh, than the other. But um, yeah, I'm floored with the idea. I mean, that works because then that builds to such a crescendo at the end, which is why it's I, I love the ending of the series. And it's funny, uh, not to spoil a little bit, uh, but well. Actually, I suppose it's playing a lot, but like just thinking of other uh, Britcoms in particular that have a um, bleak and yet oh so right final ending, shall we say? Well, I can think of a British science fiction series that has an ending like that, but I'm not going to name it in case I, I was somehow someone has never seen that show. I was thinking of more of a historical. Um, oh, uh, right. Yes. Good com. point. Uh, Yes, that's true. I, I've kind of forgot yeah. about that. Um, like, and and I I enjoy both of those endings. Like, I think they both fit. And and you know, I'm not sure the the historical one. I think probably people, you know, that was moving, and people um, I think liked it at the time. The uh, the science fiction one, I suspect, was a huge huge shock. And yet, I um, I, I didn't watch that show very much, sadly. But I. I've watched that final episode many a time, oddly enough. And I, I yeah. the ending for that is perfect. The final shot is perfect. It is, yeah. isn't it? Uh, that might be a whole nother podcast, but, uh, but I do love that show a lot. Uh, I, I highly recommend watching any and all of it because it's, it's terrific, but this isn't a podcast about that show. So I don't know why I'm going on about it. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think the ending is, uh, is is perfect in that it, it like it it sort of almost feels like the culmination for them like you're saying like they're all really excited about something for maybe the first time really and they're unified um, as well yeah yep and uh, and then uh and, yeah. and then uh, that's it they 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 can't be happy they die uh, you know i mean uh, it it feels it feels appropriate in a um in a clerk sort of way you know, especially if you think about, <laughs> especially if you think about the original ending of Clerks, where uh, where actually Dante gets shot in a robbery at the end of the day. I'm glad they cut that out. Um, oh my god, I didn't know about that. Oh yeah, um, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm glad they cut that. It would have been. It's interesting how it would have played if you watch it that way. But um, but it's also the case, like you said, we've seen places blow up and all that. It's not necessarily the end anyway, even though it feels like it kind of yeah. feels like it kind of should be unless somebody comes up with a sequel. But, you know, I mean, again, 
for demolition, the house blew up and they moved to a new place. But you have something like like cash, when okay, fine, it's not so much they blew up. It's it's you know Vivian um, blew up the house with his farts. But um, <laughs> yes, but you know later on things are repaired and and we jump back in and no explanation or anything whatsoever. So yeah, they could survive this and walk away. I mean, it's just, in such an absurdist show as this, except if you said this was the last episode and this is it and put a bow on it, it, it feels tied up. It feels right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny that they managed to do all that in the short space of time. I mean, they had plenty of time, as you pointed out to do, you know, uh, just these long drawn out, uh, piecemeal gags and fit in this kind of ridiculous climax uh, that that really kind of works. So yep. yeah, it's um, as you'll see, it's not my favorite episode, but I do like it. Um, and uh, I think you've listed a bunch of reasons why we should. So is it time for us to get into our rankings? I think it is. Uh, I have just put right. my... Um... I've just put my selections for this episode. I've slotted them into the uh, the list that I was making, and so I am ready. All right. So uh, we're going to start actually with our favorite musical numbers from the show. So these are all the times that they had a band on there or, or something loosely defined as a band uh, to do a song. So technically there's only one per episode. There is one episode that didn't have any, which is Flood. Um, so we have a, a top 11 ranking. I, I, I like um, to think that like in some universe that there was something really, really embarrassing or dirty or something that they cut. Uh, you know, the, same, <laughs> yeah. the same way. All right. We know that there's one episode where um, where uh, things have been cut for rights issues. So we're going to list it here, even though it didn't appear in, in the yes. DVD version of the episode. But in fact, as we were talking um at one point that uh your old videotape where i first saw the young ones that we saw that that bit on there originally and you can still find it on youtube yeah i was gonna say youtube is where i watched it most recently and kind of reminded myself yep. how i felt about it yep so um uh, my number 11 is uh the song from this episode uh by a guy named john otway uh, and the song was called body talk and i find it excruciating I actively dislike this song. I never really wanted to hear it again, but here we are. Everything about it irritates me. That's my number 11. I was amused by it, but not amused <laughs> by it enough to ever want to hear it again. So it is also my number 11. <laughs> well, I'm glad we agree there. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting if this is exactly the same, but I don't think it will be. Well, it's no, uh, I mean, and it's funny. I, I will add that like, it's one of two numbers that, that feel like that they're not really songs. They're just weird insertions. And, and it's yeah. funny. And, it, and it's funny because I'll save it till we get to the other one. Okay. Uh, all right, so my number 10 uh, is the song we did not see in Sick, which is uh, Ken Bishop's Nice 12, which is a band, uh, from what I've read online, uh, is composed of at least partly uh, the guy who did all the kind of incidental music in the show, and I think also the arrangement of the title theme and maybe the end theme. Again, if this were a podcast where like we did research and presented you with facts, I would know that, but I'm just sort of like spitballing here. Anyway, the song was a cover of Bob Dylan's subterranean homesick blues. And, uh, it's not a bad cover as 
these things go, but I just remember being really creeped out by it and, and kind of just not liking it. And I think that part of the reason is, <laughs> this is so weird. There's a, a, a point in the song where you see Vivian uh, standing in front of a brick wall with his back to us and he's zipping his fly. And we're meant to assume, I guess, that he's been peeing on the wall. Uh, but he walks away and one of the members of the band is is there uh, with their head at crotch level on the other side of the brick wall. So I don't know what was happening there, but I just remember as like a, a teenager or whatever being like, ew, what's going on with that? And mm. like, you know, just and that sort of icky feeling has persisted. Interesting. Um, but I think even even so, I, I don't think that song would have sustained any kind of excitement for me. And, and so uh, it's my number 10. So. I, as part of the problem is that some of these numbers, you know, either I don't really remember the band so well, or, um, you know, it, even if I enjoyed it at the time and I wish I'd written it down before, I don't remember them so much now. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, I've written them down now and then I may go back afterwards and say, oh my God, what the hell is I thinking? So like, if we have a very short podcast number 13 that is jeff has an ad uh, addendum to say oh my god <laughs> these uh, musical numbers are all screwed up uh you'll know um to avoid well, we could, listening to it we could pause now for an infinite amount of time our listeners would not have any idea how long we waited and you could go listen to them all now this is true you could also edit them at some other point in the future when i <laughs> actually have some time to sleep uh it is 11 p.m um i say go for it all right. Um, so the the one that I had uh, next was uh, was Nine Below Zero, mm -hmm. um, uh, which was from Demolition, if I remember correctly. Correct. Yes. And and uh, I mean th that kind of slots in with the idea for me in terms of um, uh, well, not spoilers for later on, but where I hold the episode in comparison to other uh, to other things as well. I uh, but I, I don't remember very much of it at all, unfortunately. Okay, well, uh, I think that's fair. And in fact, Nine Below Zero's 11 plus 11 is also my number nine. So pretty much in the same territory as yours. Apparently, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my number nine is the, the Nine Below Zero song. What's your number nine? My number nine, um, and maybe I put this one so low just because um, it, it disappoints me in relation to the song of theirs that everybody knows... Uh, was uh, I put Dexy's Midnight Runners with uh, Jackie Wilson said, which apparently is a cover of a Van Morrison song, which I was not uh, aware of that. But um, yeah, it it does nothing for me at all, and it, it just I mean, you know, it's true that the musical numbers sometimes can stop uh, the scenes dead if you're not careful. And for this one, for me, it just does absolutely nothing for me. It goes on way too long, and and mm -hmm. I'm sad to say that because um, I really like Come On Eileen and. Uh, but yeah, this just this detracts from me from the rest yeah. of the episode. Uh, I would agree with that. And in fact, it is my number eight. Mm. Jackie Wilson said is my number eight. I don't like Van Morrison. Uh, or maybe it's more accurate to say I've never heard a Van Morrison song that I like. Um, and this is no exception. <laughs> I find this song irritating. Uh, and I agree with you. I like Come On Eileen uh, as, as kind of like sleazy as it is, if you really think about it. Uh, but yeah, this, this doesn't do much for me. And, and the whole aesthetic of Dexy's midnight runners is, is kind of annoying. So yeah, it's my number eight. What's your number eight. 
my number eight is uh, Amazulu. Um, ah, okay. And uh, this is another one of those. I don't remember too much about them, but um, it's funny. Both this one and the one after this on my list, it, it, at least one of them I remember thinking, oh, that was much nicer than I, I remember. And I think it's the other one, but I don't remember for sure. So uh, I, I apologize profusely if I've gotten these reversed. Um, which doesn't answer very much, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I don't okay. Really have much to say about that, unfortunately. Fair enough. Um, so I actually did a last-minute switch up because I looked at this and found myself insane. But uh, are we on seven? We're on seven, right? Uh, I think so. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is not a uh, kind of critical judgment, but my number seven is Radical Posture, Alexi Sales Band with Dr. Martin's Boots. Um, and part of the reason that I have it up this high is that for some reason I loop a lump in Cuckoo Daddy Longlegs, the song sung by uh, Buddy, Buddy Holly hanging upside down from his parachute in the ceiling of the, the house. Um, that would be Buddy Talk. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I really... I really enjoy that that little number. Uh, it's it's irritating and also hilarious, and I think about it a lot. So uh, that is where I am putting that song. That's my number okay. seven. What's yours, Jeff? Uh, my number seven, the other one that I put, uh, like I said, I was trying to remember which was which, was uh, Rip Rig and Panic. And that's the one I think I liked better than I, than I thought I did, but I don't know. I could go back and watch it and think that I'm smelling something. Um <laughs> Um, so the Rip Rick and Bannock song, You're My Kind of Climate, is my number six. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a pleasant song, but I I find it uh, a little hard to sort of get, uh, get my head around. Like it's, it's a very unusual kind of uh, beat and melody and everything. And and it just never made a a real big impression on me. Um, but, uh, seeing this made me want to listen to more of their music. So, if it ever shows up, I've got a CD of Rip Brigand Panic on the way for me. Hmm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I might change my mind once I hear uh, different versions of it. But uh, but yeah, that's that's there for me. This is actually the start of songs that I feel kind of positively about, uh, as opposed to just neutral or, or kind of bad. So Yeah, uh, I, I feel yeah. the same way. We are, we are turning the corner to the ones that I would go and listen to again. So I think you have to state your number six now right yeah what is, what um, is yours no, my number six is the um uh subterranean homesick blues cover um ah. i i uh i like it i i like how it slots into the episode actually um mm-hmm. and uh and i i like the cover and i'm a i'm a sucker for uh um i'm a sucker for that song so uh um you know i maybe uh maybe i'm rating it over high compared to i i feel like i don't have I am not objective as far as that goes. Let's put it that way. But that's okay. These aren't objective to begin with. Um, yeah, I like that song. All right. Uh, I said it was in Sick a little while ago, but now I'm realizing that's crazy. It's actually in, it's in Cash. Cash, yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I thought it was Sick. Um, cool. Number five for me is Motorhead with Ace of Spades. Uh, so again, we're getting into songs that I really like. Um, and uh, Motorhead is here, not because I think it's a bad song, but it's... You know, it's not my usual sort of sort of deal, but kind of over time, I've come to regard it as a a classic, <laughs> and so there it is for me, right here at number five. 
uh, my number five, and I cannot believe I put this one so low. Um, uh-huh. It's just every time I it, basically I had this at the top, or I think I had this as number two, and then every time I, I kept looking at something else and going, no, I want to put that one up there. I want to put up that where, and I, I pushed that down, and believe it or not. Number five is Madness with Our House. Um, ah, interesting. And, which is a shame because I do love that song a lot, but it's just everything got pushed out. And uh, and uh, between that and House of Fun, which coming up later, uh, I chose House of Fun over over Our House. Um, mm, mm-hmm. So that, that's where I ended up. Um, and it, it shocks is, me, to be honest. Um, this is going to be an interesting top uh, top few here. Because uh, I also and I like where where I like how they slotted that into the episode as well. So mm-hmm. like this is a case I I the the top few I feel like I can juggle back and forth. There's there's not that much daylight in between them. I feel the same way. We are definitely into. I, I switched mine around a lot in this top five, so it could change tomorrow. Who knows? That said, my number four is Amazulu. With Moonlight Romance. Um, I really like the song. I think it's an adorable song. I think it's an adorable band. Um, I always enjoyed it. Um, it's one of the few that I didn't fast forward through. And again, I, I don't really know why I fast forwarded through these at the time. Um, I was really impatient to get back to the comedy, I guess. But that one I always liked, so I let it go. Um, yeah, I think it's cute, and it's number four for me. Number four for me is Motorhead. Um, okay. It, it's it's interesting. It is such a complete departure from uh, from everything else, uh, from all the other musical guests, which uh, is fascinating to me. And um, even though it's not like they're interacting with them at all in this episode, I, uh, and I do prefer the ones where they do get to interact somehow, um, uh, that's the only one credit that I'll give for John Otway is uh, the fact that, again, Vivian kind of... Uh, um, <laughs> making his own little body talk, which it, it feels like for for um, for for a bunch of comedians as physical as they are, particularly Vivian, it, that kind of fits in its own way. Anyways, I don't know why I'm going on talking about our number eleven that I never want to hear again uh, when I should be talking <laughs> about Lemmy. But um, Motorhead, I I, lo- I love the sequence in 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 Bambi. Like it just um, <laughs> I. I don't know. It just cracks me up. The whole bits of the station, you know, uh, Vivian grabs the food, shoves it in his mouth and, and flips the guy off. Uh, it, it, it just fits. It fits. Um, so it's, it's not just the song. It's the context that it's in. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I think, uh, that's the song probably of all these in a way that I, I would be most excited to hear again. I like that. There's a band that, uh, I feel like Vivian would like, and maybe the rest of these, not yep. so much. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with your rationale there. Uh, number three for me uh, is Madness with Our House. And I was really tempted to drop it down a little bit more because actually watching it again uh, in Sick this time around, for some reason, just felt kind of like, meh. Like, I love the song, but having it in context just felt a little bit, obvious sort of i don't know what it was but like i wasn't as into it this time around but i i still just based on kind of like how classic that song is for me in terms of you know i mean i I hit when i was a kid i I do feel like familiarity i I don't know breeds contempt or whatever but it's uh, of all of the of all of the pieces of music that appear on the show that is probably the most well known 
Yeah, it's it is I think the only one that I knew before watching the show. So yeah. Um yeah, what's your number 3? Uh my number 3 is The Damned. Um, okay. And you know, I love their aesthetic. I again, um perfect uh slotting of the episode. I mean, I have to wonder if somehow they were watching uh they were listening to The Damned do Video Nasty and they built the episode title around it and did that as a jumping off point. Um, I'm kind of curious, but um, I don't know which came first. Yeah. It'd be interesting to look up. That would be the sort of thing that like, if there were a podcast about the young ones, you'd want to listen to it to find out like interesting facts like that. We should see if there is one. Yeah. I mean, you know, where people would actually do research beforehand and find these things out. Oh God, we're terrible. Uh, we thank are. you for bearing with us this long, everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're asleep. Okay, uh, so let's keep talking about the dam because it's my number two. Number twos. <laughs> um, I I really like it actually, and I, I think that of the bands that are on here, the one that I've kind of become the most excited about since watching this show for the first time is the Damned. I've I've listened to them. Uh, more like I've listened to more of their CDs. Um, I've actually seen them live now, which was bizarre. Uh, Captain Sensible mooned the whole crowd, and you know, that was the thing that you could do before coronavirus. Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we were really packed into the show box. It was it was pretty pretty dense. Uh, so yeah, that's my number two. I really like The Damned. I think they're a fun band. Uh, it's not my favorite song of theirs, and that's probably why it's not number one. Um, there are a lot of other songs that are like uh, better, including I Just Can't Be Happy Today and Anti-Pope and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. But, uh, but Video Nasty is really fun. They're a really fun band, and they fit this show really well. Uh, and I don't know if that's a good thing. Or, or if it's not such a good thing, but I no, really enjoy it every time it happens. Yeah, so that's it's, my number two. To quote Martha Stewart, it's a good thing. <laughs> What's your number two? Uh, my number two, I, I will say that, you know, most, uh, just to note that most of our songs have ended up slotting close to each other. With, True. Uh, with one exception, like Amazulu was much higher in, uh, in yours than mine, and I think partially that's memory, not remembering so, so much. Uh, but... The, my number two is one that was much lower for yours, and that is uh, Radical Posture. <laughs> um, I, I, I adore, I mean, yes, in terms of, uh, it, you know, it, it's not much of a song, to be honest. It's more of a <laughs> gag than, than anything. And, and I would put, um, you know, I, I want to put this as a double act with uh, Alexei's less successful bit later on, the little re- relax, make stupid noises bit it's i mean it's it's comedy novelty but it kills me every single time and the (laughs) fact that dr martin's booth that it you know again it fits into the episode it it feels like it's a part of the episode rather than the than the song um it's uh i I love the whole stupidity of having that concert in the middle of uh yes and love everything it's it's you know, I, I, I'm not, as we'll talk about later on, overly high on the, the episode in uh, in total, but that is mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite bits of that episode. And, um, yeah, I adore it to death. Well, I can understand that. And one thing that I did look up and find out, uh, it, it didn't take a lot of work. I think you sent me the website. But uh, what I read on there was that uh, Radical Posture was like his comedy band, 
they were a thing, I think, before the show. It wasn't like they got a bunch of musicians in there to do that song. Uh, and I think this song existed before The Young Ones, and he just did it for the show. Um, but not as a specific thing that they wrote for the show. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I think what this means is that our number one is the same. I believe so. And I was hoping so, it would be so. So that would be Madness House of Fun. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, what a great song. Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to really say about it, except that I love it. Um, I hadn't heard it before I saw it on this show. And one of the things that made me start seeking out Madness albums was to get that song. Um it's it's really great and it fits into the show really well i think it fits the feel of the show in a lot of ways it's one of the first times um, i think yeah. i'm trying to remember i mean seeing them interact with the characters a little bit too mm-hmm. as i recall um and uh and also yeah i love the song for the for the you know the carnival atmosphere i guess that it uh it engenders um mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know how much that's appropriate for the show except to say um that makes me think of um, absurdism, I guess, and some of the, the other weird bits of the show that it just seems to fit. But even by itself, you know, even completely divorced from the show, I, yeah, I love the song. I love the song to death. It is definitely my favorite by, uh, like I said, some of the other ones, that the top five or six or whatever ones that I would go and listen to. But I, I feel like, um, I, I do feel like that this one is a um, runaway over the other ones. Yep, love it. Um, cool. So that's our musical number list. If you have a different musical number list, if for some reason you wasted part of your life figuring this out, (laughs) uh, tweet us at Starship Warlock on Twitter, um, or, you know, email us info at, is it info? Inbox at starshippodcastwarlock.com, uh, and let us know. Yeah, uh, we'd really I, I'm, be I'm ready for all of your uh, all of the John Otway fans out there to be sending us hate mail. Yeah, please please correct us in our horrible aesthetic judgment of his masterpiece potty talk. Really really want to know. Let's move on now. Uh, this episode, as you may have guessed when you downloaded it or whatever, uh, is going to run a bit long. <laughs> but uh, we still have a couple more things to go through, and so that's fine. We're going to do our favorite episodes list now. Um, and Jeff, I think the reason that I wanted you to go first is because I think I know exactly what your top episode is. And I think, I think you've mentioned it before. I doubt that it's changed. Um, yeah, yeah, although it's interesting two and three, I've been debating back and forth and I may even mm -hmm. be debating it when it actually comes out of my mouth. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I kind of have general, uh, tiers with these more than a, a ranking. I always struggle with rankings. I don't know why I decided we should do that in here but tears of laughter <laughs> oh god <laughs> mm. um and in fact uh i will admit right now that that one of the reasons that i ordered it the way i did was because i thought it would be boring for us to have the same favorite episode but i do actually have a rationale which i think makes sense to me so uh we'll, we'll go through it and see so jeff what is your number 12 the least awesome Young Ones episode in the whole group. What is it? As I've said before, the least uh, awesome Young Ones episode is still a damn good episode. Uh, but uh, I'm going to stick with what I said last time and uh, and put Demolition. That um, 
that was the very first episode. They were just figuring things out, and it's uh, nowhere but up from there. Um, <laughs> I mean, it could have been much, much worse. My point is the quality went uh, went up from there, and so we went from okay to fantastic. So I'm okay with that. Fair enough. Uh, my number 12 is time, uh, because after the Dallas parody at the beginning, it has nowhere to go but down for me. Um, I've, I've talked before, when we actually did it, I talked about how much I sort of disliked the whole plot with um, with Rick and Jennifer Saunders. As nice as it is to have her on the program and as, as well-performed as that whole bit is, I just don't really enjoy it. Um, and then it kind of segued from there into a lot of, like, Neil abuse. And then from there it went into that weird time travel thing. And I just, uh, I just don't really like it that much. I, yeah. I enjoy it. As we've said, it's a Young Ones episode. I would still watch it and laugh if it were the only one I had, but it's, it's gotta be, something's gotta be the bottom and that's it for me. No, bottom is a different show. Oh, I, I stand corrected. Mm -hmm. What's your number 11? My number 11 is, uh, is interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and well, what, well, what is it? Um, it's interesting, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I, kidding. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, it, I, I'm. I don't have anything particularly exciting to say about it one way or another. It felt like a perfectly serviceable episode, but there's I don't have any strong opinions of it one way or another, and and so that's where this ended up as a result. Okay. Uh, interestingly, my number eleven is boring, <laughs> um, and. As again, as I said when we talked about it, I mean there are bits in this episode that I never really liked that much, um, and kind of just didn't appeal to me that much this time around as well. Like the whole Fatumch thing, I think is is funny to sort of quote, but like it, I, I don't like it as much to watch it, I guess. Yeah. And then the thing that really sent this thing toward the bottom for me, though, is um, that uh, that <laughs> scene that we hadn't seen yet. Which, I was you wondering know, when that was going to come up. Yeah, and the uh, just the choices that were made uh, for that one uh, made it really uncomfortable to even think about watching that again. Um, yeah, but there are bits that I really love. You know, I love the whole bit of, of meeting Vivian's mom and everything else, but that's where boring has ended up for me. Number 10? Number 10 is time for me. Oh, um, okay. And I think pretty much, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Uh, it's it's such a shame that something with such an incredibly strong beginning um, uh, has nowhere to go from there. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, th there's, th again, there's always little bits. Uh, I maintain the look that Rick gives uh, looking under the covers and Jennifer Saunders' <laughs> delivery of my surname is Mucus um, cracked me up to high heaven, but that in the first five minutes, um, but beyond that, eh. Yep. Yep. I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, my number 10, just because it sort of ended up here, is oil. Um, nothing really against it. There's lots of little bits I like, but it, it feels sort of sparse to me in a way. Um, and the whole thing with, with Mike as the, uh, 
the oil mogul and everything else. I don't know. For some reason, it just doesn't add up to a whole lot. I do enjoy it quite a bit, though. Um, there's there's lots of very, very funny things in it. But, uh, of course, we are getting into the ones where I I like a whole bunch of them. Um, and I might change my mind about oil at yeah. some point. But there it is for me now. Number nine? Number nine for me is boring. Okay. Um, again, pretty much for the same reasons that... No, boring. Um, pretty much for the reasons that you, uh, you elucidated, I think. Um, so, and uh, again, um, it, it's interesting because uh, my number eight used to be a lot lower and, and, um, and uh, it leapfrogged both time and boring, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, number nine for me is demolition. Uh, and I, I had it pretty high before and I've dropped it down a bit since. Um, I agree with everything you said about how it's, how it's new. They're still figuring it out, but there's something charming to me about how unique it is as a result and how, uh, how different Rick is in it. Um, you know, slightly less unbearable, like there are times in some of the later episodes where I'm like, I just cannot watch you anymore. You're too cringy for me to deal with. Um, and you're and, always on all the time. You need somewhere to go. Right, right. And so what I like about it is Demolition. He, he's just a little bit different. Like he's just slightly less disgusting, which I think it was good for the show that he leaned into that side of Rick. Um, but I like that we had one episode where he wasn't like that. And of course, indispensable is nosing around, uh, <laughs> easily one of the funniest cutaways in the whole show. So oh, like, God, I yeah. can't, you know, I, I can't discard that. So demolition is at least number nine for me. Um, and that's where it sits right now. What's your number eight? My number eight is oil. Um, mm. I, that's I'm shocked because I figured that was going to remain towards the bottom. That you know, demolition and oil were were my two least favorite or whatever. But oil, um, it's interesting. Even though oil is kind of threadbare in that sort of plot, it actually feels in some ways more concrete and less random than other episodes. Hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, and. I mean, the randomness sometimes, as we talked about with Summer Holiday, if it's just, okay, this is just random gags and things like that, um, you know, there's only so far you can uh, can go with that, I think, although uh, it's interesting that clearly Summer Holiday is above oil, so uh, it did something right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but again, um, they're still figuring things out on this one. Um, I adore, I mean, you mentioned that um, you weren't too fond of the Mike is El Presidente or whatever, but, like... I, I think that's I actually like how much that I mean to me oil is what solidified the characters and who they were interesting yeah um, and and so you know if that episode hadn't existed I, I said to something uh, to somebody the other day that you know that probably the second episode of a series is in some ways the most important because there's the pilot and then afterwards it's you know this number two is kind of the second pilot in its own words and, mm -hmm. and things have been rejiggered and it's interesting to see in a lot of shows, in at least a few shows that I can think of, how much it was the second episode that crystallized and and brought these aspects of the characters that um, going forward. And, and Oil did that pretty well, even if it wasn't by, it wasn't the funniest episode. I feel like for that we owe it a a, a great debt. 
Yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. I would agree with that. I think it does, uh, in a very clever way, kind of establish the hierarchy of those characters. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, you made me think of Battlestar Galactica when you were talking about second episodes, mm-hmm. and actually Doctor Who, for that matter. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are again other. You're, podcasts. you're talking, of so. course, about the Masters of Luxor. <laughs> yes, of course, the Masters uh-huh. of Luxor. Yeah, anyway. Um, Whew, deep cut. All right. Uh, uh, my number eight is Summer Holiday. And uh, I, you know, again, we just watched it. It's fresh in my mind. Uh, it might move around. I, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would have. Um, I think there might be something just a little bit sad about it, knowing that it's the last episode. You know, you'd think by now it wouldn't have that effect on me, but it does a little bit. Um, so it's a little bittersweet, I think, in a way. I really kind of enjoy the bit with them in the garden. Uh, there's a lot of line deliveries I like in that and, and just uh, aspects of that. And for me, after that, although I respect the uh, the way it gets to its conclusion, uh, I'm sort of less enthusiastic about it after that. Um, so, you know, I might be underestimating it, but that's where I've got it. Number seven? Number seven is uh, Flood. Oh, how cool. Mine is Flood as well. Oh, well, good. Well, we that's both have Flood at seven. That's all well, I you have talk to about, say about it. Well, you talk about it. Thoughts? Well, Flood, all right. So that was the, you know, we talk about summer holidays being the end of the, uh, the, end of the series, right? I mean, Flood was the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's interesting to see... Uh, it's interesting to see from there where they they went from there. Um, so I suppose that's talking more about what came afterwards rather than the episode itself. It's it's an odd how to how to explain it. Um, I mean, to to me, it's it it as it is the midpoint of the show. It is the midpoint of my rating. Like it it just feels right belonging in that spot. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I mean, for me. I don't remember exactly what order I saw these in it or in originally, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't this, like the right order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I Mach- seem to think the that machete s- order. Yes, I seem to think that sick and flood were f- some of the first two episodes I ever saw, um, and so they're emblazoned on my memory. I think in in different ways than some of the other ones. Um, and so, yeah, Flood is one of those with the whole business of the the potion that turns you into an axe-wielding homicidal maniac. Uh, that whole bit is is very much uh, fixed in my mind. And so, uh, yeah, but as you say, I mean, it is, it is sort of a midpoint-type episode. It's a little bit of a bummer that there's no musical guest in it. I don't know why that should bother me, but it kind of does. And so that's where it is for me. Number six? Number six is sick. Mm. And I actually thought that that was, I think I mentioned before that I actually thought that this was going to be much lower originally. Um, I I think that of all the episodes that we've watched, this is the one that was the uh, most pleasant surprise for me that it wasn't just a bunch of gross out gags. um, And even the stuff that was, that was gross or whatever was not nearly as bad as I remembered. And maybe that's just that, you know, the world has gotten so much worse in the (laughs) since we've watched it originally (laughs) and I've gotten so desensitized Um, but uh, you know um, it's uh, 
Um, I mean, it's it's funny. The um, uh, all right, Neil getting planted. Um, the the negative reality inversion. I you know I mm-hmm. I remember the the sick bits and not much of the rest of it, which is why the rest of it was such a nice little uh, surprise for me. And of course, um, the you know the what's this fish doing in my bed gag. Um, Yes, I, it, that I mean, I remember the first time seeing it, and I was just like, "That's so brilliant!" <laughs> like, I, I don't know why I sat there and and, and like I still why I would sit and analyze that and think, um, you know, it's such a little thing, but it's it's utterly brilliant for a for a throwaway. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that Mike gets all these sort of surreal bits where like something weird is happening in his life, but we kind of don't really know what it is or how it works. Like there's this just opaqueness to how he ends up with things like a fish in his bed that I I just kind of love about him. And he's such a, uh, like straight actor. He's the straight man actor of this whole thing. Um, and it's great that he has his own like weird thing, just like the rest of them have. So it's, it's cool, I mean, it's, and I love those gags too. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, when you have a straight man, when you have a straight character, you might think of something along the lines of like, you know, a Leslie Nielsen, where it was somebody that was trained in in drama, and the humor comes from the fact that he's delivering these humorous things as if it were a straight drama. But uh, you know, that's that's not the case with Mike because what he's doing is is, com- I mean, the the absurdism is on a completely different level. Um, and, and it's so, you know, if you have a straight man and it's, okay, he's straight and everybody else is, you know, you have Abbott and Costello, right? And Costello is, is weird and wacky and Abbott has to suffer with it or, or drive the plot along, right? Mm-hmm. Mike, Mike is, does not fulfill that function. They, all of these, uh, like the what's this fish bit and, and uh, some of the little bits he gets off on, he, he's his own tangent. Yep. Which you don't usually get with a straight man. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, my number six is interesting. Uh, I really like this episode, actually. I really enjoy it. Um, I like the vibe of the whole thing, how excited they are. Um, just sort of the different position it puts Rick in. I mean, here again, he is ridiculously excited for this episode, or this, yeah, for this party. But he isn't, he's, he's, it's not repulsive, Sort of like his his excitement has a, a flavor mm. to it that I think is different, which I enjoy. Um, I like seeing him and Vivian try to interact with women. Um, I like seeing Mike try to interact with women. I mean, like it's it's just funny to see them uh, how inept they are. Um, it's it's nice to see Jennifer Saunders fall in love with Aid Edmondson over uh, <laughs> uh, over those push ups. Oh my god! And yeah, um, and Rick. Um, Rick grabbing the tampon. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible, but it's it's so funny. I know. Um, yeah, I like it. I mean, I think that it might be higher if uh, more of the bits of it stuck in my memory, but I really like meeting their friends, too. Uh, you know, Warlock shows up. Um, Rick's professor shows up. Uh, that, that one anarchist or activist or whatever guy shows up, you know, we meet some of Vivian's friends, uh, who are these kind of drunk, uh, Scottish types. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of dimension that that episode brings to the show. It, it is one um, of the few times yeah. that you actually get the sense that they're in school as opposed to something yes. that happens to be set 
in in school. I mean, in there's a certain charm to having things that never actually appear. That's kind of funny in its own regard. Uh, but uh, but it's uh, I it is true that when we actually do get to see the people they hang out with, that it's 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 not a disappointment. Not not a lot of them are that memorable as opposed to the. Uh, uh, you know the positions that they fill are uh, are interesting to see how that reacts to the main characters. Uh, not a lot of the, those ancillary characters stick in my mind, except of course for Warlock, who pops up again later on. <laughs> yes. So yeah, interesting is there. It might it might actually be higher, but that's where it's ended up. What's your number five? My number five is Summer Holiday. Um, as ah. I said, I didn't remember very much of it except for the uh, the end, and I agree the end is not as funny. It's not funny from a gag point of view it's more funny from a um a plot point of view again i i i absolutely adore this ending uh to death even though it is bittersweet and and the show is bittersweet mm-hmm. like i said that's something that britcoms do so well and i i think i don't know maybe that's just a, as i've aged i appreciate that sort of thing it's just it feels like the perfect bow and the the things in the beginning like i said um yeah, they, they do go on for a while, but they're all individually funny. I, I mentioned the Botticelli game. Um, our, our last appearance of, uh, of Alexei, uh, you know, just the mm-hmm. him, him <coughs> smashing up the, uh, the furniture and charging them for it. Um, uh, yes. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's one of his better bits. It does it mix along with his, um, uh, Dr. Martin's boots or certainly the, uh, actually I think the, I, I think, Flood is probably my favorite uh, Alexei moment. Um, the the uh, the, <laughs> the halftime report. Yeah, um, that 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 yes. whole thing is probably uh, my favorite. But um, I do enjoy his uh, his reaction in some or his interaction in Summer Holiday and the one where he's less doing a routine and more integrated directly into the episode. Yeah, I mean, I will say also of Summer Holiday the the elephant head bit for some reason just made me cry laughing whenever I saw it. I don't know why. I, I am, I'm amused by that. Like I said, I, I am glad that it's a short bit because otherwise it doesn't do that much for me. But it's, it's odd how little things like that potentially just hit you and hit your funny bone. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm amused that you're amused by that. And the fact that the elephant head shows up again later on. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Um, all right. So my number five is Nasty. Uh, and this is another one that I kind of thought would be higher up because um, I really like it. Um, I've, I've always sort of liked that sort of campy Halloween-y thing that they have going. Um, and uh, I love The Damned being in it. I love all the, the kind of graveyard jokes and everything. Terry Jones. Um, Terry Jones showing up. Yeah, there's a lot to love about Nasty. I think... What might drop it down a little for me again is is the kind of weird, uncomfortable bit of, you know, uh, how shocking uh, Rick likes to wear a dress, you know, and, and all that bit. Again, just I think I know this is going to sound weird, but there was a time when I was a teenager, um, when I was a younger teenager, when like I would be uh, convinced that if my parents saw certain things in the shows that I was seeing, e.g., uh, the times that there were bare breasts in Monty Python or whatever that I would get in trouble in some way. And I know that, you know, most teenagers, when they hit like 13 or whatever, like, I don't care what my parents see, I'll do whatever I want. But I wasn't that kind of kid, unfortunately. So I think that some of the ones that have weird stuff, like 
Neil having a boner in the flower pot and stuff like that are like, oh, God, I'm mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable because what if my parents see this and I have to explain why I'm watching this show? And, you know, I had to protect their innocence somehow. So, <laughs> and that's so that may I influence my college. feelings. Yeah, that may influence my feelings about some of these things. But uh, but I think five is still pretty high, and I, I think Nasty is still one of the highlights of the show for me. Number four? I, number four is Nasty. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something about Nasty? No, oh, well, go ahead. well, I am, because number four is Nasty for me. So, um, oh, okay, carry on then. So, yeah, uh, spot on, Chris. Um, you know, Splunge, uh, everything you've, uh, you've said uh, fits with me. I love the fact, I, I think we talked about at the time, that it's... Uh, one of uh, a couple episodes that has its very own opening segment that basically sets the entire mood. I like the fact that um, that you have the flashback mechanism in that, so it's told very differently than um, than uh, some of the other episodes. Okay, mm-hmm. if you got rid of it, I mean, let's face it, if you got rid of it, it would just be a, a, a standard episode in that way, so it's, it's not a huge twist or anything along those lines, uh, I suppose, but... Um, but they were they were trying to do something different with this episode, and the episode is still funny, and and I love the aesthetic, and I love the the uh, musical guest. So, uh, so yeah, I I forgot about one thing that I do love about that episode as well, which was Vivian going, "Well, it's a long story." <laughs> Just his delivery, of these fourth wall breaking uh, things is so great. Uh, yeah, I think all you said is true, uh, and now I want to hear number. Uh, that was your number four. My number that four was. is sick. Um, and here again, I think there is a nostalgia element because, as I say, there's a strong possibility this was the first episode of the show I ever saw. Um, and uh, but yeah, as I said when we were watching it, like for whatever reason, I just grinned through the whole thing when we watched it again. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's hard to put my finger on why, but I think you've already talked about some of the great things about it. Like I love the whole weird good life parody. I love that they um, lean into the like gross out and the violence with that huge street fight and like everything that you might criticize about the young ones if you were, you know, a stick in the mud. And then Neil's parents show up and criticize those things and uh, and then launch them into this parody of another show. Like it, it feels unified in a way that I didn't really remember it being, but now I sort of see the shape of it. So I think it's brilliant. Uh, it's definitely gross, but it it goes somewhere after that. Um, you know, maybe maybe if I watched it again, I wouldn't be able to take the snot rocket stuff, uh, and I would have to drop it down further. But for right now, at least, it's sitting at number four. Number three. Number three. All right. Now the top three are, you know, the top three are <laughs> ones that I would sit down and watch. You know, pretty much any time of day. I, I think actually I would put Nasty in that group now too. Um, yeah. Having enjoyed it more than I, I remembered, uh, but uh, one one will always be number one. Two and three I flip flopped on several times, but I'm gonna go back to it. number three is Cash for me, which is the mm, first episode. Same for me. Which is the first episode that I ever saw of it. Um, Again, so many, so many solid bits in this that I know, uh, Lord knows, we've quoted a million times. The whole darling fascist bully boy, um, uh, Vivian having a baby, um, Neil getting uh, bullied into uh, becoming a cop, which is um, one of the funniest things ever. Um, <laughs> uh, On so many levels. Yes, it's it's absolutely true. It's... Um, Oh God! Yeah, the uh, why don't you use Vivian for cherries? Bendable. Um, 
<laughs> you know, uh, uh, the, the even even the random bits. The can I borrow a cup of sugar, uh, please? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> if the, the, it, as as weird as the ghost bit is, <laughs> the bit with the head ending up in the woman's lap. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I I. I that's one of those that shouldn't be nearly as funny as it is. Um, and of course, Vivian's Vivian's borrowing the cup of sugar, which is just every single line that he says in that. The, the, and, yes. And the, the way he reacts with her is just hysterical. And of course, um, of course, the TV ad. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I, it, there's so much brilliance in this episode that's, that the fact that I'm only rating this as number three ought to indicate just how much I love the other two as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to agree. I think that, um, yeah, I put this at number three as well. Uh, like I said, and, and I have to agree with everything you said. Like, I think, I don't, I don't think before we did this, I would have necessarily thought of that as one of my favorite episodes, but like seeing it again now and seeing all that stuff together is like, yeah, yeah, this one's really good. Um, the whole darling fascist bully boy thing, I think is brilliant. Um, you know, uh, all the bits related to Vivian's pregnancy, the, the Neil, uh, becoming a a cop thing, all of that stuff. Plus, uh, the title of our podcast, obviously. So yeah, I agree. Um, and actually, uh, Anne, who was on here, uh, in the nasty episode, of course, um, counts. This as her favorite, as she mentioned. So, you know. It's got a got a pretty good recommendation. I think I know what your number two and number one are, and you can probably guess by uh, process of elimination that mine are the same thing, but in a reverse order. Mm-hmm. So just spoiled it, but tell me your number two. Yeah, um, and, and again, I mean, yeah, it, it, number two for me is bomb, um, mm-hmm. and I, I adore the fact that. You know, we we were both in uh, the real Inspector Hound in uh, in college, um, and you know one of the big gags in that is, and in fact, the the how much the plot um, immediately uh, changes is that the fact that you're a full what forty five minutes or an hour, however long you are into the show before right there is a dead body on stage, and the dead body is lying there. And um, the audience can see it. And it is a live actor. Mm-hmm. And, At uh, least it was in our production. Yeah. Um, somebody who, interestingly enough, had a reputation for... He would either... He was nicknamed as Dead Swordsman because he would either play a dead character or he would play a swordsman or he would play a dead swordsman. Uh, so <laughs> he had already graduated, but he was in town, and we came back and we're like, hey, you want to play a body on stage? So... Uh, the, the fact that you get through 45 minutes or whatever it is of the show, the body is lying there in plain sight. It is a, you know, it's a play within a play murder mystery, but the characters that are that are in the play within a play, they've gone a full 45 minutes until finally the inspector at one point trips over, the, the hand trips over the body and then looks down and, and beat and then says is there anything else you've forgotten to tell me? And then all of a sudden everybody notices the body. I mean, that is the exact uh, thing that happens in bomb and exact. It's halfway through the show. The same thing that bomb has been sitting there in front of the fridge for the first half of the episode and enough. And there's enough comedy gold going on before that, 
But then as soon as that happens, like the fact that the entire episode shifts and the way everybody reacts to that bomb is is so strong in terms of how the characters who the characters are, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, Neil painting himself to reflect the blast. Um, uh, Rick uh, deciding to use this to uh, to blackmail Thatcher and, and having uh, having that uh, left side of him kick in. Uh, Mike, of course, being all capitalist and trying to sell it out. But of course, the the gold star in this one goes to Vivian, um, which some of my <laughs> favorite sight gags, the sledgehammer. <laughs> the way yes. that damn thing <laughs> bends over the course of, uh, like, I wonder, you know, how did they get that just right? Did they practice and say, okay, this one isn't bending. Let me see if I can get one that's that that bends more over the case of it. Um, his rapid swings um, <laughs> is hysterical. You know, the, his delivery of... <laughs> The fact that he does it, and it's such a complete surprise that uh, both to the audience and all the characters, and then why didn't the bomb go off, Mike? And then the wrecking ball <laughs> coming in later on. I mean, it's, yes. and then, of course, um, the once they finally do set it off, and, and it's not by anything that Vivian does, and then the thing cracks open like an, like an egg. And, it, and I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, that feels a little anticlimactic, and that was just right to end. But it, it's so brilliantly surreal it's it's a brilliant way to end it as opposed to okay we just blew the house up again uh, and it of plays, course it plays against expectation and it, it also harks back to uh the scene at the beginning of the episode which by that time a lot of people have probably forgotten i certainly had uh but then when i saw it again i'm like oh that's what that was i get it it's uh the plane laid an egg yep. um all right, I want to save some stuff for me to talk about when I put okay. it at number one, but uh -huh. I will I will uh, jump the gun on Bambi, which I put at number two. And with these two, I, I went back and forth for a while because I have to admit there's a lot to love about Bambi. You know, chiefly, of course, um, the slate of guest stars, um, you know, Emma Thompson, Stephen Fry, and Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. Um, Robbie Coltrane, and Tony Robinson, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's, there's a uh, lot Jones. of... A lot of yeah, a lot of top-notch uh, guest stars, a lot of top-notch bits in this. Um, we've we pointed out all the the quotation stuff. I love Rick's uh, uh, yellow pages story at the beginning, uh, and his delivery of all that. Um, I love their trip to the laundromat. I love them switching their identities. Uh, oh yeah, that's brilliant. And I love the callback. <laughs> was that in sick or later on when all of a sudden they're because they were in the garden, right? Yeah, it was and, sick. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. They do they the were callback trying and, to it, do it. and it doesn't work. Yeah, it just yeah. <laughs> uh, I never even caught that before, so I'm glad you did. Um, yeah, all that stuff is great. I'm gonna leave more of it for you to talk about, but okay. I it's definitely one of my top two. It's it's really really good. Um, and I know that it's your number one, so why don't you yeah. talk about it now? Um, in addition to things we talked about al already. Um, I, I love, you know, the Yellow Pages stuff is, is funny, but the the stuff that goes on after that, the Rick's Why Don't You Like Me. Yes. Uh, to, to, <laughs> the, to the fact that they bet on it, to even the fact that, you know, they, um, that uh, Vivian shares the winnings by ripping up the, the bill, <laughs> uh, to, of course, the suicide attempt. Yes. And and especially when they're all looking, <laughs> when they're looking at Rick's bottom waiting for waiting for it to go through his <laughs> digestive system. I, and in fact, even the look on his face when, when oh, 
through that entire scene, first of all, when he's stuffing the pills in his mouth. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and um, Neil runs away <laughs> and, and Rick is basically making faces at him as he, as he goes to the look on Rick's face as it starts coming out the other end. And he just oh starts like, I mean, everything in that is, uh, is utterly brilliant. Um, Oh my god! We never. I, 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 we, I just want to say, I, I, this may be. It's hard for me to think of another show that has managed to make two suicide attempts funny. <laughs> That's true. It ought to be impossible, but I think I think they succeeded in both cases. It's true. Um, and the, the other thing I was going to say, you know, it's not my favorite part of the episode, but. Um, one of the best surrealist callbacks, and all right, if that's how they had to get out of an episode, fine. But um, the, oh yes, the, the bit with the sticky bun, you know, and okay, mm -hmm. it's it's the young ones, it's probably random, and then all of a sudden the gigantic sticky buns that falls on them at the end, and that's that's as much of a Monty Python fu. Uh, we don't have any way to end the episode. I mean. Um, you know, but I think that one works better to me than say, okay, look, this is all a game show, and you know, um, and Alexei standing there um, at the at the end to applause. Oh. I mean, uh, like nasty, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, but I I love I love that ending for as stupid as it actually uh, <laughs> as it actually is. I mean, I, as for the university challenge, I mean, I will say the episode starts a little slowly. Um, I didn't, you know, the bit with, uh, with Neil bringing home the, uh, the, the rat, the, the leftover. Okay. That, that was a little bit, eh. but, um, uh, but everything game show related on that, uh, is utterly, utterly comedy gold. That, that is, bar, that sequence is bar none my favorite in the entire series. Yeah. That stuff is very, very funny. All right, so I guess we've gotten to Bomb, which is my number mm -hmm. one. And as I say, I debated a lot, but I have a lot of affection for Bomb. I think that I like the fact that it came so early uh, in the in the series. Uh, I like the fact that it's sort of almost in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I really love, um, there are some sequences that I love in particular, uh, like the TV detector man. I was about to say, I didn't even get to mention that one. Um, despite yes. our, our big debate over one particular. <laughs> yes. But like, I love that whole uh, bit, uh, and, and all the interactions that they have. That guy for me is very, very funny. Yeah, he's as crazy as they are, which is interesting. Again, Mm -hmm. the, the the others the other folks that are reacting are more reacting to the other characters from the most part. But this this guy almost fulfills the same um, the same role that a Jersey would fulfill. But he's a very different character. It's just the that that manic look on his face. You know when he's shaking his head and you know we know you have one. We detected <laughs> it. So you know you were just and just the nods of the head and the bulge of the yep. eyes. Oh my God. Yeah. It's very, very funny. I, I like, uh, there's a sequence where Neil and Vivian are having kind of a rare interaction, um, when they're trying to, to handle the whole cornflake situation. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, I like the surreal bit later on with mm -hmm. the Dickie and Dino show. Uh, Oh God, which yeah. is so weird and so wonderful. I just love it. So, and, and then I love all the stuff in the middle, like the stuff that you mentioned. I love seeing Rick, uh, get all, 
done up in camouflage and his kind of uh, anarchist gear, whatever he thinks he is, uh, to go and uh, uh, like threaten Margaret Thatcher with the bomb. I, I really like actually when he gets something to do that is in line with his character like mm-hmm. that and isn't just like, you know, what a horrible little person you are. Um, that I really enjoy. Um, so yeah, all that stuff is great. And I love, I love the framing device that you mentioned. I love that it ends with just like the, the plane having laid an egg. I think, uh, there's something really charming about that to me. So I think if I threw on one episode and was like, I just feel like watching some young ones, it would probably be bomb. And for me, it'd be Bambi. But again, they're both, they're, they're both very, very close in my mind. In fact, I even forgot to mention one of my other favorite uh, segments in Bambi and that's the, uh, the whole laundrette sequence. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Felicity Kendall's underwear. Uh-huh, exactly where I went with that. Um, yep. So, yeah, uh, that's that's where we've put everything. Uh, and this episode now has been going for approximately three days. Um, well, let's, let's so make let's, it four, shall we? <laughs> yes. Just a little bit more, everybody. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about our uh, potential sequel. Uh, Jeff, do you want to set it up? Sure. I mean, I, I do want to acknowledge beforehand that, of course, with the passing of uh, Rick Mail, of course, this is uh, something that uh, that yes. can never be. Rick, Rick, Rick is pretty. Rick is irreplaceable. Um, yes. And and, uh, and it's funny though. I, I've thought about the idea of, um, you know. Yeah, you can't even do a show where he's where he's dead and do that as a plot point. It just it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. But um, but you know, we talked about. Again, um, so what happens when these characters, uh, once they graduate or maybe don't graduate, leave school, whatever the hell <laughs> that happens, um, you know, assuming that they didn't just perish in a, in a bus crash, um, that clearly forgives all student loans and debt, um, and maybe <laughs> gives their roommates 4.0 grade point averages, I don't know. But, um, you know, where are they in 20 years? What's, what's happened to them? Where have they been? And, um, and, more to the point, what would ever drive these people back together again? Why would they do yes. that? And um, and you know, you could say, okay, reunion, but that's that's kind of sloppy. I, we actually had it more of a concrete plot point why they would get together. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so, shall, shall I go through the basic um, the basic? Yeah, I mean, I. I think the main thing I remember is that it was called the old ones, <laughs> and I'm not sure I remember a whole lot other than that. So, well, go for yeah, it, and maybe you'll jog my memory. When I hear old ones, I think like that should be you know Lovecraft or something like that. I suppose. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, I mean, Alan Moore, one of his bits in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, he did a uh, Jeeves and Wooster parody called "What Ho, Gods of the Apocalypse," which is basically Jeeves and Wooster meet Cthulhu. Um, <laughs> uh, which is pretty uh, pretty amusing pastiches. Anyway, um, so the, I, it's funny. The old ones was just a placeholder. I always thought that um, as you have the young ones and as you have Summer Holiday, which is a Cliff Richard song, that if there was another song of his or somebody as a contemporary of his that you could pick for an episode title, but I don't mm. think we ever found something that was appropriate. But the basic idea would be, um, so we've met... Neil's parents and they, they seem to be fairly posh and fairly well off um, and and I was I, I think thinking of the beginning of time is partially what made me think of this as well so um, 
so Neil's parents die. And mm-hmm. Neil comes into a substantial inheritance. Yes. And so and so the others find out about it and they they swarm in on Neil as an excuse to uh, to try and basically bilk him out of all his money. And of course what it turns out at the end is that Neil has already, you know, given his money away to to um, <laughs> to you know some charity or, or something like that, you know, um, paint the whales white to reflect the blast or something. I don't know. Um, all, all that all that feels so right to me. I remember right. now why we were and, so compelled by this. And we talked about where the characters would be. Um, you know, for Mike, Mike has never worked a day in his life. He has found a he he's the trophy husband. Yep. <laughs> um. Uh, maybe he's even gone from from one to the other. I'm not sure. Uh, it, it is funny thinking about that, con- um, comparing that with Christopher Ryan's role as the you know beleaguered ex-husband in uh, in Abfab, and uh, mm-hmm. of course then ending up married to to uh, uh, Bo and being Mo compl- Collins. Er, yeah, uh, being completely uh, henpecked uh, from from there on in. It's <laughs> it being such a low status character as a the anti Mike in that regard, but but I think I think in our version Mike is still Mike. It's just that he's able to, you know, he, he's kind of the, I was going to say the Jefferson Darcy, I suppose, in his own way. Um, but he's he's still the same status that that he was. Um, uh, Neil obviously is still Neil. He hasn't changed one single bit. Um, mm-hmm. Vivian, I think we thought it would be funny if he actually became a doctor. Like, of, oh, yes. of all of the characters, he is the only one, you know, I don't know um, in terms of what Neil did with his life uh, in the interim, um, but uh, but Vivian is actually a doctor at a major hospital, and despite that, I think we still <laughs> see him show up with a chainsaw and full of blood. Yeah. Um, yep. That just feels right on so many levels. Um <laughs> and but I'm just picturing hospital scenes with Vivian. <laughs> but uh, Rick paging Dr. Vivian. <laughs> but Rick um, Rick has and and you hit the nail on the head when we were talking about this in one of the prior episodes of that, you know, is Neil really this this radical or is he one that that postures that way and then caves under pressure? Uh, when uh, when there is any sort of danger or pushback or anything like that, because he is so very cowardly. And so, what we actually pictured was that I think we talked about it in relation to trying to picture who his parents were, which is interesting because I'd forgotten about the fact that we get at least his his uh, discussion of who of who his parents mm-hmm. are in this episode, although he could have been completely lying. And everybody said I was great, so. You know, um, oh yeah, it, it, we don't know for sure, but regardless, uh, Rick, I think, is the one person who you know, if you talk about think about somebody that was a radical or they they believed certain things in college and then uh, because they were young and naive or whatever and that hit the real world and you visit them, you know, uh, a few years later and they're much more conservative or something along those lines. Um, you know, Neil. Neil was doing this for stick it to the man type of stuff, and and that was that was about it because it felt good, I think, and and, and so now we've picture, pictured him being like some middle manager or bank manager, like every every single ideal that he had 
is gone. He's still he's still Rick, but he's put his passions in the other way. You know, you you break somebody down and they they end up adopting an opposite worldview, but it doesn't mellow them. Mm-hmm. And and so Rick in this case, like he's he's uh, you know a middle manager, and and you know somebody says something about that, I, I can picture him saying something along those lines of you know what's wrong with the kids we need to we need to um support our government and and we need to uh we need to do this what were they thinking and um and so every outrage that he has uh, that he has in this series uh is is turned 180 degrees but he's still just as clueless and and reacting you know there isn't much thought behind it either way it's still him mm-hmm. knee-jerk reaction to this sort of thing so he's he's the one person that would have actually I don't know if betrayed his principles but certainly the, the, <laughs> the, the compass flipped the other way without the personality changing at all I think yeah I think that makes so much sense I mean you you see it uh, I, I think of somebody like Dennis Miller who who used to tell a lot of uh, left-wing jokes and then suddenly became a, a right-wing zombie and uh, it, it definitely happens um, and with Rick it doesn't really take much because part of the joke with him is that you know, he'll, he'll declare himself an anarchist and at the slightest sign of trouble, he's like, call the police, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I noticed you didn't write down the call that you're making right now in our little call book. Like, I mean, all of that stuff is present in him now. He just isn't conscious of the fact that, that it's like that. And I think that the Rick that we see in demolition, uh, believes in all the stuff that he's talking about. But I think the Rick that we see after that, probably doesn't he's probably just desperate to be liked and so this is his particular way of doing that i mean maybe it's a little less random than that but i think that's a big motivation so that it it totally feels right to me that he would he would flip like you're talking about yeah and that's that's why i think rick is such a fascinating character despite the fact that yeah he's kind of the the over the top and somewhat uh grotesque and and uh um and you know you run the danger with somebody like that that the rest of the narrative um, deforms around him. Uh, although frankly, all the other characters are strong enough, particularly Vivian in, the, in this case, that that doesn't happen. And certainly, Mike puts enough things over on on Rick as well. But yeah, I, I'm yeah I'm fascinated by that switch, and it feels like I said it's just the case. It just feels right, and I don't think we mm-hmm. had any particulars of you know how they would try and bilk him out of his money nor you know where are where is neil living at the time because presumably they would go visit him i suppose i we, we never worked out any of the specifics we just worked out the general arc and the fact that we we're sitting mm-hmm. there and thinking my god this plot and those characters feel right yeah i definitely think that uh that all of that is is solid but unfortunately we'll we'll never see it made we did talk uh, about writing the script though yeah, I think that would be worth writing the script. I mean, you know, God, I could picture if somebody could do it as a radio play and do, um, you know, and it, at least in that case, if there's somebody that can do a, a Rick Mayalish uh, the voice, the. you know, uh, I've talked about John Colshaw, who does these amazing um, uh, amazing impersonations. I, I, think, I, I think if you look it up, there's one where he called up Tom Baker as... Tom Baker as, as the fourth Tom doctor, Baker. as the fourth doctor, and and you know is doing the who is this? It's a prank call, and he's like, um, and uh, and you know who is this? And Coleshaw says, "Well, I'm the doctor," and uh, to which Tom Baker responded, "Well, there must be some mistake. I'm the doctor." 
Love it. Uh, All right. So, so I can I can picture him as a you know one of those man of a thousand voices type stuff. I wonder if he could do Rick. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's somebody that can. Yeah. Call us. Crazy. <laughs> yes. If you can do Rick, <laughs> tweet us at Starship <laughs> Warlock. Um, folks, I think that brings us to the end of our little journey with the young ones. Uh, if somehow you made it through not only the whole series but also this marathon length episode, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is something that Jeff and I decided to do uh, for the fun of it, really. Um, and I, I've I've just enjoyed watching these uh, with you, Jeff, and commenting on them. But if people are listening to this and enjoying it, then so much the better. Um, we are almost certainly going to do more. Uh, and you're, you're saying to yourself, how is this possible since there were only 12 episodes of Young Ones? Obviously, we're going to do a different show. Uh, we are still making up our minds about what that show is. Um, it might be Blackadder. It might be absolutely please, please, fabulous. Please. It might be uh, Survivor. Just kidding. It's never going to be Survivor. Uh. Um, <laughs> we will be leaving you in suspense as to which show it is as we think about how it's going to work. But the the best place for you to find out uh, what that's going to be is you can, uh, again, follow Starship Warlock on Twitter. Uh, we will probably, you'll either see an episode appear in uh, this feed or you'll see a, a short little announcement of where you can find it if for some reason we decide to retitle it and get yet another domain name that we're not really using <laughs> in a useful way. Um, but you'll you'll find out the news here um, and, and this is the, the best place to, to get that and hopefully you'll come with us on another journey, maybe into a show that you know and like better, uh, or maybe into a show that you're seeing for the very first time because you're listening to us talk over all the jokes. So until that happens, I have been Drew. I have been Jeff. And this has been Starship Starship Podcast Podcast Warlock. Warlock. I'll have to edit it so we say it at the same time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.